Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, November 8, 2012. Today we are reading from the big book on page 59. Here are the steps is where we'll be, we will be beginning. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, is 3287. Share code for yesterday, 3287. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Edini to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Edini, and I am a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct demands to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irini. Now I would like to ask Margaret to please read the 12th edition. Good morning. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, Vision, for you. This is Margaret a recovered compulsive overeater in Illinois, the 12 traditions. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity to read these traditions. I pass. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 59 and we'll begin reading through the 12 steps beginning with here are the steps we took and then we will do some comments on beginning steps 8 and 9. So Esther, if you could please start for us. Esther, could you please press star one to unmute? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was muted. Good morning. My name is Esther, and I'm a compulsive overeater in Canada. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 
5. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 6. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So regarding steps 8 and 9, I look at the steps as a... is a process of sorts uh, where I first um, embark on a relationship, you know, and and establish a relationship, the deepest of relationships, which is, you know, with my higher power, the big book calls it the great reality deep down within us. And then those were in the earlier steps. And then, of course, it's the steps four, five, and six um, where I examine my character defects and, that's where I clean up and fix up the relationship that I have with myself and my thinking. And so for me, eight and nine was where I begin now to clean up um, my life outside of myself with the people who I've interacted with throughout my life. And um, in in doing so, I I have, um, you know, I'm I'm working my way, you know, from the most important relationships and, you know, and, and, and outwards. And how how wise of Bill I've always felt to you know take the step of the amends and to divide it into you know two separate steps as opposed to just having you know one step that says go out and make amends. Um, the fact that it's divided I felt made it easier because in making a list of the people that I had harmed, there are amends that were harder than others um, that were more humbling to make, and if I could list them and I could consider each one separately and bring myself to willingness, you know, to, you know, to make amends wherever I needed to, um, that was a lot easier than just being told, go out and, you know, ready or not, make amends to the people that you need to make amends to. And I must say that this was an extremely humbling step to actually have to turn to the people I'd harm and face them. But this is where, um, for me, the the freedom was for, first felt that that ultimate freedom that we're seeking um and it, and of course in the um um later on in the big book we'll see that the promises that we all like to read and talk about um they're called nine step promises because they come after the ninth step um and that with that I'll pass thank you thank you Esther would anyone else like to comment on steps 8 and 9 Press star one to unmute. This is Katie. Go ahead, Katie. Hi, I'm Katie, a grateful recovering compulsive overeater or recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And um, yes, I like what um, Esther shared that, uh, you know, I can remember so many times looking at step eight, nine as a unit and and was reminded and just kept reading it over that that 
all I have to do in step eight is make a list of all, um, all the people I've harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Um, so, you know, once I did that and then discussed that with my sponsor, then I could move on to step nine and make direct amends wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And, you know, there was a lot of things that, you know, really cleaning up my own consciousness is not what it's about. Um, if, you know, I don't need to tell someone that, uh, that I always hated them if they have no idea that I always hated them or if they insulted me and they didn't know they insulted me, I don't have to, it's not, uh, the purpose is not to point out someone else's character defects and flaws. And so um, it was just very freeing to do this. And, you know, the thing that is so great about all these steps, one through nine, is that once I've, you know, once I've taken them, there are no longer these deep, dark secrets in my life. And that was such a part of my um, disease was that, you know, once I, once I got abstinent um, through, you know, steps one through three, you know, it is such a relief to do steps four through nine because if you don't do those steps, then you will go back to the food because the pain of eating or of not eating is too great. Um, if you're not cleaning up your side of the street. And, you know, there, I still, um, you know, I've never had to reinvent the wheel and go back and do those steps the way I did in the beginning. But they are always, um, you know, if, if I find that I have made, you know, uh, done something wrong and need to make amends, then I can do that. Um, but first, you make the list. And that'll pass. Thanks, Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on steps eight and nine? This is Paula. May I comment? Go ahead, Paula. Thank you, Janice. Well, it says here are the steps we took, so we must take them, which I suggested as a program of recovery, but I had to know where I was. I had to know where I was and where I wanted to go. And there was the awareness. In each step, and there was... There's no one step. They are steps. One step is not going to get me anywhere. But then when we come to eight and nine, and we look, and look at what's come before that, and that was it. The willingness always, the willingness to take a look at who I was and who I no longer want to be, and I could do it with God's help. And I love that that we are introduced, we asked his protection and care with complete abandonment, and that's how I could do it. Then I could make a list of persons I had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Didn't pick and choose anymore. Didn't pick and choose. Well, yeah, you're deserving of. I understood what pride did and where pride took me and that awareness and what humility really was, a humbleness of mind. That was it, a humbleness of mind. And with that, then I can continue on. And I can look at, I didn't want to look at people that I might have injured along the way. No, no, I wanted to look at, oh, look at all the people I helped, but look at the ones you hurt. But look at, here's an answer here. I can make amends whenever possible. And then even then it gives me a little exclusion, except 
and they're the awareness, to be aware that when to do so would injure them or others. See, that's my first thought. Not of myself anymore. Of them or others. Humbleness of mind, that's where it took me. Thank you for allowing me to share, and with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Well, this is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I'd like to comment on steps eight and nine. You know, this this was the great hope for me, that these steps would take me to this place where God always intended me to be. But I had to do the work. And and it says so clearly, half measures availed us nothing. You know, and I'd, I'd been sort of a half-measured kind of girl. You know, what what was the least that I could do and get away with it? What was the least that I could do and still get the results that I wanted? But I get to steps eight and nine, and there's there's a principle that goes along with the work of these steps, and, and steps eight and nine in particular, and that's... That, that universal principle is discipline, discipline. And the big book tells us we were an undisciplined lot, so we had to ask God to discipline us. And I was taught here in the rooms that there's only two kinds of pain, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And if I don't go ahead and dive in and do everything I can, let go of my old ideas, be fearless and thorough from the very start and ask for help. You know, at every step, there has been help available. You know, first of all, the help of my higher power and then the help of a sponsor and my fellows who've gone before me who can share with me their experience working these steps so that I don't do them in isolation. But I had, but I had to screw up my courage. I had to pray pray for the strength to go ahead and to do these steps, to take the action, to be honest enough. You know, all of these, all this momentum had been building. You know, I didn't dive into steps eight and nine at the very beginning. There was, and I love what everyone's been saying, a whole process that got me to these steps. And they seemed so daunting They seemed so daunting when I first looked at the steps. How in the world am I ever going to be able to do steps eight and nine? Well, the power built in me as I did the steps previous so that when I got to these steps, the power was available and there for me to look at the people I had harmed and to become willing to make amends to them and then to take the action to make right what I could And to do that opened up a whole new world to me. To make things right with with the people around me. But to do it with, with just what Paula was saying, a humble heart. Knowing full well that this was my great hope. That it was going to take me to a place, take me further on this path, this direction, this course. That was going to lead me ever closer to my higher power. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on steps eight or nine before we move on? This is Robin. Go ahead, Robin. 
Good morning. This is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I see these two, stinks, uh, these two steps linked pretty closely with step three, made a decision to turn my will and my life over. Um, in the beginning, for me, I was turning my life and my will over to the care of my sponsor. I wasn't able to even grasp the idea of God, and my sponsor stood in until I was able to find God. But what I found when I came to steps eight and nine was that um, I had many years of, of trying to make a list of people I had harmed and becoming willing to make amends to them. And when I presented this list to my sponsor, um, she could see that what I wanted to do was to um, make amends for my feelings. It was just as Katie said. Um, I had this you know, list as long as my arm of all of the... Uh, regrets I had about the way I'd felt, the different ways that I'd felt about people. And I needed somebody to help me um, uh, siphon through those to find the actual things that I had done that had harmed people. I couldn't do that on my own. I was so caught up in my maudlin self-pity and um, my regrets and my fears and my anxieties and no idea how to treat people. And it really needed, for me, um, I really needed to have somebody very objective who could look at what I thought were my um, character defects and actually point out to me, yeah, you harmed somebody here. Um, let's figure out that amend. Or, I don't know, you know, so you didn't like her and you had some pretty icky thoughts about her um, you don't need to go to her. That's going to harm her more than anything. And, um, I mean, for for some of us, you know, there there weren't any terrible things we did. It was, you know, for me, my sins were sins of omission rather than commission. Um, I, I wasn't a kind person because of my feelings of insecurity and fear of other people. And this is where I learned um, how I had acted out and which of those things harmed me more than they harmed other people. So, um, you know, for me, a, a really big issue when I came to these steps was that I had a sponsor that I was willing to listen to, that I trusted, that could really guide me in how to determine when I had harmed somebody instead of just thinking, I don't want to make an amend because I'm afraid to tell them um, that I did something, and I know I harmed them. You know, she pointed those out too, but but it was more about helping me figure out um, when I had harmed myself more than I had harmed her, just because of the way I was thinking and and you know filled with resentment. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Would anyone else like to comment on eight and nine? All right, then we'll move ahead, and now we'll take some comments on steps 10, 11, and 12. Hi, this is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I just want to talk a minute about, about step 12. You know, step 12 has three parts to it. You know, it says, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, so as everyone's been talking, each of these steps have been building on the next one. You know, this is not a buffet that we can pick and choose which step we're going to do when. Each one builds on it. 
And when we build on these and we do them in the order and we do them as it's stated, we have a spiritual awakening. And in order to understand what is that promise, what is that spiritual awakening going to feel like, we can go to page the bottom, page 84 into 85, and those are the 10-step promises. You know, it says we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time sanity will have returned. We react sanely and normally. We are not fighting it, meaning the food. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. So that's the first part of step 12, is we have to have that spiritual awakening, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but it will always manifest if we work for it. And the second part is we try to carry this message to alcoholics. And if you notice, in the first 164 pages, the word sponsor is not in there. Sponsor is something that has developed out of the fellowship. The program of recovery, we try to carry this message to alcoholics. And it says try, because we can carry this message up to the compulsive overeater, whether they want to receive it or not. That's none of our business. So I always teach my sponsees, and I'm very aware that my job as a recovered person is to maintain the integrity of this message. And that doesn't mean as a sponsor. It means when I get on this phone line, I'm talking about recovery. When I'm talking to someone on the phone, I'm talking about recovery. When I go into a meeting, I'm talking about recovery. I love the saying, leave the mess for your sponsor and the message for the meeting. You know, our meetings should not be coffee clutches where we're bitching and moaning about our jobs and our husbands and our kids. We are there to carry that message. That's what Step 12 says. And the last part is to practice these principles in all of our affairs. You know, it means that I can't sit here for an hour on a vision for you and feel loving towards you all and then go out and curse out my boss or scream at the traffic or yell at the lady in the grocery store. You know, in order to maintain, in order to grow in this program, I have to practice these principles in all my affairs. This program has to manifest itself into me 24-7, the same way that my disease is stalking me 24-7. So I love Step 12, but I always love to break it down. It is three parts. And when we practice these three parts of this, we will be able to, to maintain recovery because we will be living in that spiritual solution. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on steps 10, 11, or 12? This is Margaret. Go ahead, Margaret. Good morning. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. Vision for you. Margaret recovered um, in New Jersey. You know, this thought on page 84 brings us to step 10. And you know what I just love, you know, we all love about this book is, you know, we have a set of directions. I did uh, steps one through nine. I can't even tell you how many times because at the time back to basics was around. Uh, and I did clear away the wreckage of the past, but I did not understand how to live in 10, 11, and 12. And, and you know, it, it, it just didn't work. You know, it, like they say, it takes every single one of the steps. So it says, you know, we continue to take personal inventory. Um, you know, we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit, and our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So every day, you know, I'm taught to pause when agitated or doubtful, because I know for myself, if I get into restless, irritable, and discontent, it's not good. It's, it never was good. But I didn't know how not to do that on a daily basis. And in step 10, I think that's where I have learned 
you know, how to do that. And, um, you know, there's a lot more on that, of course, on how to do, how, how to do that. And, and Bill's story where it says, you know, we are to sit quietly and ask for direction and strength of the next thing that we're supposed to do. You know, that's to me is for me is part of step 10. And then I think for me in, in step 11, the great turnaround for me was when I stopped trying to prove God and I really understood my need for God. That was just a giant, giant turnaround for me. So I, I you know, I became, you know, the sentence, which I can't uh, remember where it is right now, where it says, you know, could all of these other people have been wrong? You know, could all of these other religions and all been wrong all this time? And and so I had to, you know, cast aside those prejudices, which I had many, and didn't even know I had them, number one. I didn't even know I had them. So casting aside those prejudices, then I was able to uh, make more and more steps in uh, step 11. And I was thinking about the, that this morning. You know, I've made a little practice for myself in the morning, a little spiritual practice, along with things from the big book, things from my religion. And, you know, it's easy for me to do the things from the big book now, so they're pretty easy. But the things from my religion, you know what, I do them because it's just what I feel I'm called to do. Sometimes I feel like doing them. I feel like they're really real. Other times I don't, but I just do them. You know, I stopped I stopped trying to figure it out. You know, I just threw up my hands and said, you know, I really don't know if there's a God or not. I mean, I hope when I get there there is, but, you know, I can certainly live a better life uh working this spiritual life. And then, of course, step 12 is, you know, you know, having had that spiritual awakening. It says on page 164, we can't give what we don't have. And, um, and so by doing these steps, we do have, you know, we do have something to give. And I think that it generally begins that you really want to give it. Uh, I think people, a lot of times I sponsor them, and they don't really realize that, you know, in order to keep it, you just have to give it. It's not like well, gee, you're nice if you give it. No, it just doesn't work that way. You know, I have to give it away. And, um, and you know, it does become, as Dr. Bob said, I think he says a duty and a pleasure, and there's a third thing. But it does become that. It really does become that pleasure and that duty, a sense of duty. And, um, you know, because the people before have walked before and have given it to me so freely. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Would anyone else like to comment on steps 10, 11, and 12? It's Esther. Go ahead, this Esther. Carolyn. Esther and then Carolyn. Thank you. Um, I've heard people refer to steps 10, 11, and 12 as maintenance steps, but um, maintenance is something I think of as keeping status quo. And what we learn later on in the big book, as someone had pointed out um, in step 10, that our, my function is not to stay where I am, and to maintain that status quo, my function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So rather than thinking of these steps as maintenance steps, I could think of these steps as blossoming steps or growth steps, the things, the, the things I need to do on a daily basis in order to get closer to my higher power and, and be more of a, um, a, a loyal um, servant and more effective in my life and in my interactions with other people. And I thank you for letting me share with that. I'll pass. Thank you, Esther. And now, Carolyn? Hi, this is Carolyn. I'm a recovered compulsive overreader, and I know it. You know, for me, with um, Step 10, continuing to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, when these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. And in recovery, this still happens. 
still we still a human. We still have that ability to get angry and resentful. But it's all about keeping ourselves in check and when that's happening to quickly put ourselves in line and ask God to help us see what the problem is, what's going on that we're feeling this way. And it just becomes such an easy thing to do. And then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. You know, and and I put in my book, Love and Tolerance of the Weakness of Others, because it's all about my weakness and how I overcame that weakness by turning to God in my time of need and making him first and foremost in everything that happens in my life. It makes life easier. Just like with this book, these steps are simple, but they're not easy. And as long as I turn to God, these steps make it easier for me to continue to turn to God. And it's easy to let up on spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. I can't do that today. I can't afford that. I have to continually keep working on my spiritual program, and I have to continually keep looking at making sure that I am practicing the steps in everything that I do. And then down in step 11, we shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. I have joined a prayer group. That's something I never would have thought that I could have done in my life, you know, because I I felt very uncomfortable with prayer. And I have um, my cousin who passed away who was in another fellowship for a lot of years, and I thought I was like her and just couldn't get this program. She had um, in her bookmark, it was the 11th step prayer. And it it just, um, Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, that where there is hatred I may bring love, that where there is wrong I may bring spirit of forgiveness, that where there is discord I may bring harmony, where there is error I may bring truth, where there is doubt I may bring faith, where there is despair I may bring hope, where there are shadows I may bring light. Where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved. For it is for self-forgetting that one finds. It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. It is by dying that one awakens to external life, eternal life. You know, and that has so come true for me. I have done everything in that 11-step prayer throughout the process that I went through with my son to the point where my one of my other children called and told me that he is so proud to be able to call me his mother, that I was able to carry them all through this tough time and that I'm continuing to carry them through. And, you know, upon awakening, I look at how am I going to serve in the next 24 hours. And it's all about me wanting to serve say what God wants people to hear. I ask God every morning to please give me the words that he wants others to hear so that I can carry this message that the spirituality of this program is where it's all about for me. It just, I give this back in in step 12. I give it to others that I share with, that I talk to. Every time I talk to a program person, it's all about my spirituality and my finding of God and my reconstruction of God that I developed in order to get to where I am today and with that I pass.
Thank you, Carolyn. Would anyone else like to comment on steps 10, 11, and 12 before we move on? This is Paula. May I comment? Go ahead, Paula. Uh, already so much said. You know, I, I'm just going to hit that 11th step. All these steps we live by, and we take them and we live them. And what a life, a life change. It says sought. You know, sought to search for every day. Every day. No day is different. Every day is the day we live. Every day I need this. Sought through prayer gives me a venue here. How? How did you seek it, Paula? On your own? Oh, honey, that ain't going to work. Through prayer and meditation to improve. Always, always. I will never be always improving. To better. That is what it says. To use to good purpose, to apply to practical purposes, to live, to live my life. And it says here to improve our conscious contact. And may I use a visual here? When I got to see the space station and when they send another unit to be joined and you watch that and then all of a sudden you'll hear this big clanging. Oh, it's magnificent. Ba-boom. And then they use the word. Contact has been made. And that's it. I am joined. I am bonded to. And it says, with God, as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will, now their transformed life. And for us, in the power to carry that out, we will get both the power to carry out whatever his will is. I thank you for allowing me to share on so many beautiful shares and being part of. Thank you, and with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. I think uh, we'll move on now to the next paragraph. And Kim, if you would read that for us. Thanks, Janice. Many of us exclaimed, what an order. I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Now, I think this is a a saying we often say, we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. So I think sometimes we use it as an excuse. Oh, I don't have to be perfect. This is, not, this is not about being perfect. But what it's saying here, none of us have been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. But the caveat is, the point is, the point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. And I like to use an analogy of bowling. You know, everyone's ever gone bowling. A perfect score is 300. You know, but in order to go, grow towards that perfect score, you have to be willing to practice. You got to go there. You know, I, know, I think the big thing is when you break 100 and you keep practicing, you keep practicing. Even the best bowlers in the world, they know they, that the perfect score is 300, and they don't think they're going to get there every time. But of course, their goal is to get 300. They strive to get 300. They practice to get 300. But when they don't get 300, they don't beat themselves up. They don't say, "Oh, I, I stink as a bowler, and nothing is worth it." but they constantly strive towards that goal of perfection of a 300 score. And that's what they're saying here. 
You know, I'm not going to be, ever be perfect. I'm always going to be human. But I'm going to join with God today. I'm going to ask for his guidance. And I'm going to strive to be living in, in God's will. I'm going to be striving to practice these principles in all my affairs. And when I fall short, not if, when I fall short, I will ask God for the right thought or action. I will use step 11 in the morning and at night to reflect on what my, my goal is today. And I will ask God at night, how could I have improved myself? Not as a way to beat myself up, but to keep growing. Because we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. I'm going to say it like it says, practice makes perfect. So be careful what you practice. So I need to keep practicing these principles in all my affairs and not practice these, these behaviors of, of my disease, these indulgences of my character defects. And as I do that, I will keep growing towards God and I will keep getting up the ability to be happy, joyous, and free regardless of what's going on around me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Kathy in Boston. Go ahead, Kathy. Thank you, Janice. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater recovering. And um, this line about spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection is also very important to me. I discovered when I first started um, practicing Step 11 that if I didn't do it in what I thought was a perfect way, then I couldn't do it at all. And this was that black or white thinking that I brought with me to every aspect of my life. And it was only through getting the counsel of my sponsor and other fellow travelers that I realized this was a metaphor for everything in my life, that um, I needed to start with the first step and uh, just make the quiet time to allow a relationship to begin to grow. Um, And if I didn't sit and allow that time, then uh, I would not make progress, nor would I ever achieve perfection. So I'm at a stage now where um, in practicing 10, 11, and 12, I'm, I'm simply trying to make time every day for that purpose. Um, step 12, obviously, I do through my service uh, activities, but steps 10 and 11 are really about making time in the morning and at night and um, reviewing my day and anticipating my day in the presence of what I call my higher power. And uh, for me right now, the conscious contact is sporadic uh, at best, but I am dedicated to making the time because I've learned from our work on this bridge that um, if I create the space and the opportunity, then then I will make progress. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Kathy. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, I I am so glad they put this paragraph in just for me, just for me. You know, many of us exclaimed, what an order, I can't go through with it. Now, so where are we here in the book 
and what have we done thus far that's gotten us here? You know, we've gotten a whole lot of good education and information in the doctor's opinion and in Bill's story. There is a solution and we agnostics, you know, and it's, it's identified for me who I am and what I'm up against and it looks pretty bad. It looks pretty bad and I am powerless. Powerless over the food and my life is unmanageable. And you showed me all of that. And you opened my eyes and you shared with me your experience and who you used to be and what happened. And I'm thinking to myself, holy cow, yikes. How am I going to possibly do this? But it says, many of us, many of us exclaim this. You are not alone. Yes, when you first get a glimpse of these 12 steps, and you say to yourself, okay, maybe, maybe I want steps one and two. Maybe I've made those conclusions in my mind. Maybe I've identified this great need for God. But how, how do you go about doing this? And aren't you ha- don't you have to be perfect in order to do this? But they're so reassuring here. You know, those first 100, the collective wisdom of those first 100 Reassure us, we are not saints. We are not saints, nor do we ever hope to be saints. You know, our aim and goal and objective is to help you find what we have found, that deep need for God. And now here are the steps that are going to get you to that place. If you're anything like me, they'll get you. They'll get you to this place. As long as you are willing, we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. And the principles that we've set down, the steps that are set down here are guides, guides on how to make that progress one day at a time, one day at a time. And that's what we can sit down in this room, claim our chair, claim our chair and say we're willing to make spiritual progress. We're willing to work one 24 hours at a time and keep on working these steps and share that with others so that we can keep this generous gift that we have been given. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. Okay, we'll move on to the next paragraph. And Katie, if you would please read that for us. Okay, are we at our description? Correct, correct. Okay, this is Katie, a compulsive overeater. Our description, I'm sorry, our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make three, make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could restore could have restored our alcoholism and see that God could and would if he were sought. And I'll stop there. Um, You know, I love, someone told me many, many, many years ago that those are the ABCs of the program. And I think it's not, um, you know, it was so smart of them to put them right after reading the 12 steps and, you know, just kind of being overwhelmed at the daunting task ahead of you because, you know, we're addicts 
I'm sure that many people come into these rooms and read the whole book before they um, have even taken step one. So, you know, here on page 60, um, it's a reminder. Uh, we're alcoholic and we cannot manage our own lives. No human power could have restored, relieved our alcoholism that God could and would if he were sought. And that is, you know, just the great fact in, in my life that every time, um, every day when I wake up, it's like I remember that um, I can't, God can, and I will let him. And whatever the issue is going on in my life, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things that go on. I don't have to go back to the beginning. I don't have to go back to the abyss of compulsive overeating, um, which was such my habit before. I got into this vicious cycle of repeating the same old patterns over and over and over again. But um, we don't have to do that. We can remember, without picking up the food, we can remember who and what we are. And that... Um, and wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you can stop your day and say, I am powerless over this. I'm powerless over my life. And it's unmanageable. And I need to make that conscious contact with God. And no matter where I've been, no matter what I'm doing, God always meets me exactly where I am. And um, I'm just so grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. Good morning, this is Leah. Go ahead, Miss Leah. Yes, hi, Janice. Good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, um, our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal stories before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. First of all, our description of the alcoholic, you know, this whole passage here uh, points to the fallacy of starting newcomers in Chapter 5, how it works, which is often, unfortunately, what happens in OA meetings, that it's Step 5 that's presented. And in actuality, you know, what they're saying here is it's a review, you know, our description of the alcoholic, what they taught me about, in the doctor's opinion, about the fact that I have an allergy of the body. For the alcoholic, uh, once he consumes alcohol, it triggers a phenomenon of craving for more. For us, uh, certain food substances, uh, once we ingest them, uh, it only intensifies the feeling. It never satisfies us. So our description of the alcoholic, something I read about in the doctor's opinion, uh, the story of Bill, you know, Bill's story was a vivid, detailed account of his descent into the madness of alcoholism and its progression and how it took him to the quicksand. That was a description of an alcoholic. And of course, uh, chapter two describes the alcoholic. Uh, it, it teaches about the fact that, um, you know, the greater aspect of our disease is, is, is in our mind. That came out of chapter two. And of course, chapter three, reiterates that whole idea of the obsession of the mind. So it's, all that information is found preceding Chapter 5 because it describes the alcoholic, uh, it describes the allergy of the body, and it describes the obsession of the mind. Then it goes on here, the chapter to the agnostics. Of course, that's Chapter 4, which we read, which helps 
us to discard some old ideas and discard some old attitudes and and discard some prejudices and and perhaps open our mind just a bit, you know, just a bit so that we can be open to some new ideas, to some new attitudes. And it says, and our personal adventures before and after. And, of course, those personal adventures refer to Bill's story, which is clearly a story of a, of a life that is transformed, a life that goes from a self-will you know, will existence to, to existence revolving around God's will. And, and the story's in the back of the book. So again, our description of the alcoholic, the chapter two agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. This is step one. This is step one, admitting my powerlessness. My powerlessness, you know, uh, no longer, um, you know, fighting the ideas about powerlessness and unmanageability and insanity. I am powerless that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. You know, that this is reiterating step two. And, you know, that, um, that left to our own re human resources, not our, not our will power, not our intellect, not any self-knowledge, not any other human resource, was enough defense against that first fight. You know, we could stop. We've stopped thousands of times, most of us. How do you stay stopped? Well, in order to do that, you need a power greater than yourself. And that is in C, that God could and would if he were sought. How do I seek God? Well, I'm going to make a decision coming up in step three, and then the program of action, steps four through nine. In that process, in that process, that is a search for God. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Please press star one to unmute. All right, well, this is Janice, and I am a compulsive overeater, and I'd like to comment just briefly on this paragraph because it is so important to me, so important to me, that they gave me all of this information, the description of the alcoholic. First, our description of the alcoholic. And I don't know about you, but I needed, I needed to have me described by those in whom the problem had been solved by those who knew exactly what this disease of, of alcoholism, this disease of compulsive overeating looked like. What I looked like in the disease. And when that was described to me, it couldn't be denied anymore. It couldn't be denied. And then the beautiful chapter to the agnostic, which showed me where the solution was really going to be. You know, deep in my heart, inside of me, was this great reality, this idea of God. And my need for God became so real to me, so real to me. And then they showed me all of these wonderful recovered people. And they showed me the ins and outs of Fred's story and Jim and, and, the, and Bill's story 
and certainly all of those who shared their stories in the back of the book. I needed to see all of that because all of those things together made clear those three pertinent ideas, made very clear to me those three pertinent ideas. They already had the experience of recovery and they could describe it to me in ways I had never heard. The big book came alive. The big book came alive. And I could say, yes, I am an alcoholic and I cannot manage my own life. Yes, I see that my human power could never do anything against it. But that God could and would if he were sought. You know, what a beautiful, beautiful solution to show me right there. And I can see that our, our time is up for today. So with that, uh, we'll close the meeting. Um, thank you to everyone who shared today. And I would like to ask Esther to please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you. 